G'day listeners, this episode is proudly brought to you by our major sponsor, subshq.com.au. Use code BENS15 at checkout to receive 15% off on your next purchase. G'day listeners and welcome back to another episode of the Matter Mentality Podcast where we talk all things training, nutrition, psychology to optimize your performance. Today I am joined by a very good friend and a colleague, if you will, in the industry, uh, big Tommy Fox from the Sanctuary of Strength. How are we doing, mate? I'm good, mate. Pleasure to be here. Honored to be on a podcast where you've had some pretty awesome guests on. So, <laughs> mate, I, I said to Brooklyn when we were talking, I'm like, I I have set the stupidest bar for myself ever because it's like, like you go from like Olympic coaches and VPs of ISSA and I'm like, how do I top that? Like, it's, yeah. it's like, it's like when you get a movie, like, you know, it's like a trilogy and it's like, you've nailed the movie the first time. Well, now it's just, you can't get any better. It's just like Canon and filler, bro. I'm just that filler episode. <laughs> Not even <laughs> at all. You know, like we've been trying to tee up this chat for fucking ever. But, uh, but uh, mate, what I really want to get into, what I really want to dive into is obviously your, your, your background nutrition, as we sort of talk off, off camera before your background nutrition, uh, your coaching practices, where you are now um, and kind of like your explosion in Natty coaching. Um, you know, we've seen a very, very, well, I've seen a very big upward trajectory of yourself in the Natty coaching realm, which is always awesome to see. Um, you know, a big premise of what we do on bros of brains on this podcast on my own content is trying to put out informative and science-based education to the client, to the listener, to the viewer, just to get rid of the the myths and the bullshit and stuff that's out there. Right. So you know, seeing people actually start to take off with that evidence-based background is something to, to me that I think is important in our game. So, you know, what I kind of want to get into there is just, you know, where it started, your background, you know, getting into Tom Fox, Fox Nutrition, getting all into it, up in your business. Um, Well, basically I've been a coach for almost 10 years now. I think this is pretty much my 10th year of coaching. Hey, long service. Um, yeah, yeah. So I mentored under a couple of people um, and then decided to go out on my own. I learned some good things. I learned some not so good things. I learned some things of the way that I want to kind of approach things and approach different people. Um, yeah. I then decided to go and study X science and yeah. do a dual degree for teaching as well. So I was doing do uh, P and science. They were my, my two teaching subjects. Um, but work just kind of kept sort of going from from strength to strength and mm -hmm. just continued to fall more in love with the nutrition side of things. So ended up leaving the teaching side of things, um, finishing a grad dip um, through the Institute of Performance Nutrition. And now I'm currently enrolled to do a grad dip in human nutrition and then go on to do my master's at Deakin University. Awesome. So that's, yeah. So coaching is kind of just really sort of taken over. Like I'm, I'm not, generally your sort of bodybuilding sort of coach by by look um mm -hmm. i kind of ended up in this thing just from helping out people just in the gym and and trying to help other trainers and mm -hmm. trying to be a bit of a mentor to the guys sort of coming up mm -hmm. what that sort of did it just allowed me to coach more serious people yeah. uh, more people who are just willing to do what they need to do and then mm -hmm. things just kind of got a, a bit of a snowball effect um, once I kind of took my first, um, client through a prep, um, basically he sort of came to me about eight weeks out, um, from a first season and 
wasn't quite where he needed to be. So I said, you know, I, I recommend that you don't do it this year. I reckon mm-hmm. you do it the following season. Um, because when it comes to this sort of stuff, time is your best friend. Yeah. I mean, the stage will always be there. Yeah. You've got to put yourself in a position where you're actually going to do well. Yep. Um, so he 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 competed. It was my first um client going through any sort of bodybuilding mm-hmm. uh, competition. And that was a that was a steep learning curve. Steep yeah. learning. He did very well though. He he placed in every division that we we entered him into. Um, but it was just one of these things that once you do one, all of a sudden someone yeah. else wants to do it. Yeah. And then you start getting seeked out. And you know, I took one of my other long-term clients who's a coach himself, Mazaya Kefu, through. Um, mm-hmm. and he did well, top three placings in pretty much every division. Um, and just a super, super great physique. And again, it was just another learning curve. Yeah. Um, so every time I've, I've taken someone through, you know, things always haven't been perfect and mm-hmm. you know, they never, they never really will be when you're working yeah. in these sort of high pressure sort of situations. Um, but I've been lucky enough to, to get, to take some people through, do quite well with them, um, and then be able to kind of learn from that experience and be able to come up with new methods as well and new standards that mm-hmm. you learn as you kind of go through it. Otherwise, if you, if you don't do it yourself or, you don't take anyone through it. You just kind of don't know what you're really looking for. So, yeah. you know, for me, it's it's just kind of been this snowball effect that's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, my business partner, uh, Jazz Patterson, mm-hmm. she she she's prepped a lot of girls as well, and I, I've mentor I was mentoring her for a while, and we decided to join forces with my partner Natasha Hogan and mm-hmm. make a um, make a brand umbrella and call mm-hmm. it the formula so we're looking at just building that out now and that's kind of the next step in all of our careers that's awesome man that's awesome i mean even even to like just to combine like you can see the irony of your name in that the performance formula is going to be a formula you keep working out like and and every coach needs to know that is that you know we both know there's there's coaches in and amongst this game that will claim to have the formula or the equation or it figured out and you know to a degree, sure, we know the nuances and we can understand the basics and we can understand a lot of the strategies and systems. Like, you know, we want to be losing 0.5% per week. We want to be at this rate of loss. You know, we want to hit these calories so that you can be progressing and maintaining muscle tissue and yada, yada. But at a certain point, everyone is individually nuanced and they are arbitrarily different and subjectively going to respond differently. So, you know, the very ironic thing that is also the almost the positive thing to you, even the brand name in general as a company is going to be the fact that the performance formula for each one of you is very different, right? Absolutely. And it's just one of those things like, you know, there are some, ama- like Australia has some amazing coaches, Absolutely. some amazing coaches and guys who really, really know their stuff. But I don't think even they're arrogant enough to say that they 100% know everything and they're continually growing. They're continually mm-hmm. working new ways out. So, you know, as coaches who are stepping into this sort of field, you, you've got to really have a consistently have a student mentality. Oh yeah. You know I mean? Like every person will have their own trends. Mm-hmm. Every person will drop mm-hmm. on certain types of um, exercise regime, car- cardio calories, everything. Everyone, mm-hmm. everyone's that little bit different. And it's all about just trying to pick up trends in people. Yep. It's the same thing in, in growing phases. Mm-hmm. Some people don't have to do a whole heap and they can just yep. recover and get back into the gym and they just keep growing. Other guys, they need a little bit more and they have to grind a little bit more. So it's just working out those trends for the said individual, which is mm-hmm. so important. Yeah, I think it's, it's an important takeaway to understand is that 
us as I would say good coaches, I would hope is the, the recognition that we can have systems, we can have processes, we can have procedures, right? Like I know when I map out a program, a, a prep or a periodization phase, yeah, I can put it into 12 months, what that might look like and how that goes. But at the end of the day, that also needs to be flexible. I also need to look down and break it down to the smallest detail of the person and go, well, you know, on paper, this should occur, but that, you know, we're three months into this phase or three months into that, and it didn't occur. This isn't what happened. Now I need to modify and mitigate based on her, based on her responses, based on her body type, based on her, you know, her responses. When I say body type, I'm not talking about meso, maso, you know, that sort of shit. Just like her physiological body type. Yeah, yeah. I'm an ecto, mate. Like I need 10,000 calories. Okay, just give me one day. Give me a week at 3,000. We'll see there. But, you know, and that that's an important aspect to consider is that you. it's kind of like a, a long-winded ramble, I guess, that I... I see a lot of people trying to take like 50, 60, 70, 80 clients. And you're like, when I see that number, I'm like, okay, you, and very likely you could be doing this, but are you individually assessing that person enough where, you know, we're making those nuanced changes. This person might only need certain amounts of food. This person didn't respond to the periodization we mapped out. Well, am I stepping in and changing that? Am I assessing the volume? Are we increasing set markers? Are we, you know, X, Y, Z. That needs to be assessed by us as a coach in the moment, in our check-ins, in our weekly assessments, when we're, when we're looking at them, right? And I feel a lot of the time we we understand that, but is it happening? And, you know, it's great to have systems and processes, but like I was saying, you break that down to the smallest possible nuance. Life happens to people and what should be occurring versus what does occur isn't always the same thing. Absolutely, man. And what's, what is like considered optimal for someone <laughs> is not optimal for the other person. Like we, we know what's optimal when it comes to someone's life and we know Mm -hmm. certain amounts of training can be the most optimal, Mm -hmm. but if someone's lifestyle or their, their stress outside of gym and training Mm -hmm. is higher, they're not Mm going to be able to push to that. So how can we as coaches alter that? Yep. And if you have someone who's high stress, you know, they have some sort of, some form of, you know, anxiety even. Like, you can't push them the way in the gym like you could someone who sits on a beach all day, yep. you know, is getting nine hours and 10 hours sleep, can mm-hmm. eat four and a half thousand cows, they go for a swim at lunch. Mm-hmm. Totally different person. Yeah. Yeah, completely right. And that that then completely alters how we have to approach their methodology, their programming, their recovery, their metrics, their lifestyle, like, all these things have to come into play that, you know, it's, it's important to consider and understand. Like if you're a coming up coach, it's important to understand because though we aren't clinically registered by any means, and I mean this from someone who's studying psych, it is important to understand that you almost fall on the role of someone's almost life coach. When you really start taking a hold of preps and people's lives and you're, you're in charge of their progression rates and you're in charge of their food timing, you're like, Hey, look, I want this happen- to occur across a day. You've also got to be considerate of the fact that, you're probably going to be dealing with or trying to manipulate a lot of their stress problems, a lot of their stress markers and their metrics and like their, their overall mental capacity, of their life. Like we get into that point where, you know, okay, so are you taking self-care days? Are we doing journaling? Are we doing these things? Are you mentally taking care of yourself? You almost become that role, right? Like I've, I've found myself obviously with what I study, I guess that's kind of who I attract, but when you really step into it, we become that holistic coach because so much about life or if you're really trying to optimize a prep, you are optimizing someone's life or you, at least it needs to be in order to get on there with the best possible look. And I think as well, like being honest with someone before they even start prep of yeah, like, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Hey, like your life is not set up to do what yep. you need to do. Mm-hmm. Like you might think, oh yeah, 26 weeks out or 20 weeks out or whenever you start your prep, you know, and the first four weeks are like, oh, this is easy. This is yeah. no worries. Yeah. Now you, you're trimming up that little bit of puppy fat already. You're starting to get yep. some lines come through and you're like, ah, piece of cake. Yeah. Your life's too stressful and you don't have things set up or you, you haven't spoken to someone about managing your stress or mm-hmm. understand yourself well enough that you know what you're going to do when you start getting stressed, mm-hmm. then those things are going to fall apart when you're yep. 10, eight, six weeks out. 100%. And that's where people don't make it. Yep. Where they're better off just going, hey, let me take six months of, mm-hmm. let me go speak to someone. Let me go work out what I actually need to do. And if you love it enough, and if you're passionate enough about yeah. the sport, you'll take that time to do that. Yeah. Because the problem is with some people is they're like, um, oh, I want to jump on stage. And you're like, well, yeah. why? Yeah. Why? Oh, you know, I think it'd be a cool challenge. Is that enough? Yeah. You just want to put it on your social media or do you yeah. love the sport? Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's the difference. That's the difference between the guys who do exceptionally well and the guys that just get up and, and, and jump on stage. Yeah, and that that I think is you know another key takeaway for for future coaches listening or current coaches listening that aren't quite aware. It's what we call Socratic uh, Socratic questioning. We're trying to get to the basis of the problem. We're trying to get to the root cause to make you think. So we're invoking what we call the three why. Uh, sorry, the three whys, the three levels of why. Every time someone gives me a goal, I'll ask why three times after they've made a statement. Because what we're trying to do is evoke from them what that deeper meaning, like make you actually think about what you're saying. Think about the question itself. Think about your reality. Think about life. And then think about that answer beyond that. Because that's going to dictate to us a lot more than, oh, you know, I really want to get, what do we want to get shredded? And I want to go on stage. Do you actually, or are you just like, you know, a little bit insecure or a little bit unconfident in the, the chub you've put on as a dad or a mom or, you know, cop- corporate life's taken over your lifestyle and now you want to get healthier again. But your best friend's dad's uncle's son's nephew did a prep once and he looked great. So you're like, I can do that. Forgetting that you're now 35 or three kids or you're 25 with the idea of still going out each weekend and also drinking and partying and drugs and then competing. So, you know, really getting to that bottom of a question with a client, never take that surface goal as what the true goal actually is. Sitting with them and actually exploring what does this mean to you to achieve? Because when the shit gets dark and I mean, it gets dark. It's, it's fun mm. to me. I'm a little bit fucked up that way, but like, to the average person who's like, holy shit, I've never done extreme focus before. I've never really like played a, a lifelong sport before or committed to a passion before. The darkness and loneliness that you feel in isolation gets pretty heavy. So you need to know that I'm doing this for something more than just Instagram photos or validation or you know to get my ex's ex, this guy jealous of me because he's now dating my ex-girlfriend and you know, all those little superficial shit there. It's like, that's not enough. And it's not a sport where you get that that weekly success, really. You know, yes, I speak yes. this with a client. Like, you don't put in a week's worth of training and then get on the football field and score in the 70th minute yep. or you can field goal to win the game. Yep. Or, you know what I mean? You don't get that that weekly celebration mm-hmm. that pro- and camaraderie around other yep. people. It is, a, it is a lonely – it can be a really lonely sport mm-hmm. if you have a team around you and you don't have that especially like for guys who are trying to put on stuff in the off season especially mm-hmm. as a national you know one of my guys he's going from fitness and he wants to compete a classic you know as a natural that's that's a that's a in the trenches couple of years to put on some oh, yeah. issue in order to do that 
So you don't get this constant external validation or success that comes with weekly sort of stuff with other sports. Yeah. Even when it comes to like something like a combat sport, even, you know, you don't have those little wins in sparring or yeah. you know, those sort of things that come up. It's, it's like training for the Olympics for some people. Yeah. And you just, you're constantly on the grind, on the yeah. grind till you get to that one day. Yeah. And no one knows who you are until it's time to really be on show or like, you start all of a sudden you're a bit more confident in yourself. So the media starts coming out and shirts off a bit more and stuff like that. Or the, the glutes come out a bit more. Then all of a sudden everyone's like, Oh, when's your next show? And you get that bit of reinforcement, but the, the two to three years behind the scenes where everyone's like, well, you're getting fat or you're just getting soft. Or I thought you used to be ripped. And that's what you had to do. Yeah. 100%. You, know, you were just like head down, ass up on the bulk yep. for two years. Was it two years? Yeah. yeah it, was a, it was a hefty time. Like give or take, there was, uh, or two attempted preps in there, but each time because it pulled out, went back to growing because it was like, well, again, the big C can't do the show. There's no point spending more time here. Let's get lean enough to rebound out again. Let's do it again. Same thing. Okay, let's grow again. All that overall led to like three years of realistically growing because it couldn't happen. So, you know, we got realistically about two, probably two years of true growth, give or take the year in between of like total cutting time. But again, that was you know, behind the scenes where not that people are like, Oh, you know, you, you don't know what you're doing or, you know, you're just getting fat now, but it, they kind of were like, it, it gets to that point where you just got to accept that when it's not time to be in the limelight, it goes, you aren't important. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. You've got to be willing to go. Like you said, unlike other sports where it's like, Oh, when's the next game? Where are you playing? I want to come watch. It's like, man, the next game is two years away. The next yeah, game yeah. is a year's yeah. time away before I even start prepping for the six months after. So and hitting little PBs in the gym is awesome. But for some people, like, that's just, that's not enough. That's why you see some people, they just jump on stage every year. Every yeah. Year. They never they never get anywhere. I mean, I've, like, even looking at the research, and especially as uh, I've had this debate a couple of times, like, people, coaches who aren't aware in the natty realm, they'll make arguments against, like, you know, it's, it's a bit of a taboo topic or people that have their little stabs and their jabs that enhanced guys have it easier or we're just doing this to cheat and get away with it or whatever. But if you're someone doing back to back to back seasons of the natty, it can take anywhere up to six to eight months for your testosterone levels and your, your HPG to go from depreciated to only back to normal function before you're realistically getting to a point where you're actually able to grow muscle and effectively recover and have all the benefits of testosterone. It could take six to eight months. So if you're doing back-to-back seasons because you're seeking that validation or you're seeking that that surface level sense of achievement, you're putting your body through fucking hell for next to no benefit. You see those guys get on the natty stage again and again, it's realistically looking the same, looking the same, looking the same, not making any true strides or progress because they haven't accepted that, hey, I may have to take that two years off, right? Like I may have to take that time to focus on life, focus on my systems, focus on my processes, my mental health, get my life in check to then really nail the next show. Absolutely. And like, I think one thing you kind of talked about then was like skills, like systems and skills, mm-hmm. like learning how to go out, enjoy food with family and friends without going overboard, mm-hmm. learning how to be yep. flexible while still hitting. Like people underestimate how important that is. Like, mm-hmm. okay, here's your meal plan. Follow this for your prep. Great. Cool. Every, like people can do that. Mm-hmm. But it's, if you want long-term success and longevity, you need to be able to mm-hmm. mix with friends and family. You need yeah. to be able to do other things in your life because mm-hmm. 
if you're just solely, solely, solely focused on that one thing of, oh, this is my meal plan, that's where stuff becomes really unhealthy. Yep. And I don't think there's many coaches in any realm that would consider getting down to sub 5% body fat as healthy. So that's like, <laughs> yeah, if you, if you don't really love the sport, yeah, you can't, you, your body, your brain, everything is going to fight against you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you, you really do have to be passionate about it to be successful, especially if you want to do repeating shows. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, even to expand on that further in terms of like of terms of skills is this is that this is a, so I, I find it a bit different, right? Where in the sense where people, when we play other sports, we have very tangible skills, kicking, passing, mm-hmm. tackling, sprinting, mm-hmm. agility, like you have tangible skills that you're like, I can improve on this. What people fail to understand or misappropriate is, is these things they call neurotic, these things they call uh, you know narcissism, these things they call uh, like distorted behaviors, they're they're learned through exposed developmental processes that they're there and it's not that they're neurotic i'm not saying you learn neuroticism i'm saying more so when it's done properly we're learning these skills to then be able to apply them when necessary it becomes another tool in the arsenal becomes another tool on your on your belt because you can then go like you know and it's taken me a long time to get to this point myself it takes my clients a long time i work with them through it is What's it like at this level of calories? What's it like at this surplus? What's it like at this deficit? What are the strategies when I get this hungry? What are the ways I can avoid this by being this hungry? You know, things that people don't even consider bodybuilding or just generally nutritionally or coaching related, like to even go away from bodybuilding, just things that are generally good coaching result related is the ability to learn how to say no, develop a backbone, develop some self-confidence, reduce insecurity. People that a lot of the clients that I've sort of had where they've struggled with, uh, you know, friendships or relationships is because they've, they've been heavily involved in being a yes person and they struggle as a person to individually say no to that scenario because X, Y, Z friends might hate me or, you know, not like me as much, or I need to be around them to socialize. Like, well, hang on. If we've got this extreme goal, if we've got any goal, your friend should be supporting you as a person. And that, that's a learned skill, right? Like having that ability as a skill, as a client, is in almost imperative to succeed in the result. But, you know, like I said, I, I find that a lot of people struggle. How a misunderstanding that those are skills that take time to learn. If you haven't got them already, if you're not very, if you're not a very forward person or a blunt person, having those lifestyle skills, they're learned a little bit differently to say your tangible rugby or soccer or AFL skills. But in any coaching practice, our skill development for people is a very mental. I think as well, like relating it back to other sports, when you look at, you know, amateur amateur bodybuilding versus amateur rugby or amateur anything, the lifestyle is so different. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, like, like you can. What happens after a sun Saturday afternoon game with the with the lads? Everyone gets on it. They all go out. If you're anything below A grade, shit faced. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and even then, man, even then in like state competitions and stuff, the lads mm-hmm. still get on it after. Yep. You know, and they still head out, especially if they're young men. Like, mm-hmm. that's, it's just what they do. It's almost like they're rite of passage. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to like break into that pro level. Yeah, people will take it more seriously and they will mm-hmm. say no to those things because it's important, but not all the time. Yeah. In, if you, even if you want to be a good amateur natty, like you have to put in those hard yards, you mm-hmm. have to be able to say no to those things. Like, you're not just going to switch it on and prep. 
You know, you've got nothing to rely on besides the hard work and the skills that you've built up before you even start prep. Yep. And that probably leads us to another sort of conversation is people who are like, oh, this would be cool. I want to start prep. Yeah. And you've got 20% body weight at least to lose. Mm -hmm. You know, like I've I've done that with clients where I've taken them from 20% body weight needed to loss to stage. And it sucks. I hate I yep. would ra- I, like unless there's a really good reason to do it, I won't do it anymore. Yeah, because you just run out of runway. Yep. So being in a position to even start prep, mm-hmm. people don't understand either. Yeah, yeah, that's a, a, a very good point to even understand. There is that your the the stark contrast between. You know, we say we look at off season, say other sports versus ours in the sense of well, doing it or coaching it. The the getting ready phase, an off season for your general sport, that is literally like they're they're priming you for, you know, you don't train as hard, but you train pretty hard. You you've got some like more lax days, there's no games coming up, there's nothing important. So like usually it's like cardio or generally when I was SNC for sports teams, it was kind of like a, you taper down your, your cardio intensity as skills are required to start coming up. You get drills and that as the season starts to premise, but the guys are still going out and doing shit. Like you're never going to control young lads from going to do dumb shit. Like you're saying, but for us getting your life sorted before you start a prep, especially as a natty, every single detail matters. Like every single minute detail starts to add up because that 1% matters to you because you can't out drug it. You can't, out lipolytic you can't out clean it you can't you know i'm going to take some dmp or i'm going to take yeah. t4 and t3 like you can't do that the mistake yeah. can't be covered up because it's going to take everything you have that you thought you had plus more just to be i'm ready to now succeed at this if i choose to keep going and that's a like like you said such a strong long-winded point that people will struggle to grasp i guess is that the i guess you can almost put it down to the fact that that the prep and stage time is what sexualized the most. It's what showed off the most. It's what it's most polarized. It's the most captivating. Well, it's the but, end result. It's the, exactly. you know, it's, it's show day. Like, yeah. you know, it's 47 to weeks till show day. It's yep. whatever, you know what I mean? There's that yep. countdown that's on. Yep. You know, every federation does it. Two weeks yep. till show day, one week yep. till show day. Like that's, that's what, it, that's what everybody there's, does. There's no federation talking about off seasons, okay, guys, season's over. You ordered yourself proud. Now go away and grow and come back in two years' time. It's yeah. when you're back next. When can I see you again? When are you going to be here? Yeah. It's like that that lure that they just throw out. And don't get me wrong, I get it. It's a business and it's like, I Absolutely. love building. But like you said, you know, people just then see that and they're like, oh, this only took someone 20 weeks. Well, no, 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 hold on, hold on. This Correct. took this yeah. person who's taken how long to get their life set up and their muscle grown and their muscle belly's full and actually trained to some development to skill, to, to handle dietary phases, to handle low calories, to mentally handle the insecurities, the self-doubts, the criticism. That's taken them 20 weeks for that, for that show. But you're not looking at the 24 months before that or the 18 months before that. You're just seeing the sexualized part where they started showing themselves off. Mm-hmm. And this is something we try to do as a business is heavily open transparency so that you actually see like, I am soft as fuck right now. This is me at 102. I'm like 16 kilos up from stage weight, but I've tracked it, controlled it and done it slowly. But that now gets me to 105, 110. When I cut again, and the next time I come down for show, it's going to be a very different ball game because it's got a lot more mass, a lot more like, you know, 
my training intensity is different. My program is different. My body's responding different. My titrations of supplementation are different. That's going to take years of work. We try, we try to make sure that that's open and people understand it because so when you come to me as a client, you're not just seeing the the 20 week preps from all my guys that are doing well. You're seeing off seasons. You're seeing growth phases. You're seeing lifestyle clients. There's you know a hundred different things versus I take 20 week preps. Hundred percent, man. And that's kind of what suckers people into that. Oh well, I'm just going to start prep. You know, I'll chat to this coach, and in two weeks we start. You know, as you as you mentioned with your off season, like you'll have different phases through there, and then before you start prep, you'll have a little mini prep to get you in a position to mm-hmm. prep. Yep. You know, that's that's the one thing, and you'll give yourself enough time. Like, uh, yeah, I can't stress that enough. Like, you know, you can you can throw everything you want at it, but if you if you don't give yourself enough time mm-hmm. and be in a position where you can give yourself enough time, you won't you won't present the look that you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess like given this is, you know, a chat realistically about you and about this, uh, your business and your, your processes, what do you look for in a client? Like, let, let's say a, a client's coming to you and you're like, you know what, we are ready to go. What are you looking for as like a, almost like a checklist or a, a tick box where, okay, this person has everything in place. Like, I think I know, because I think we, we operate or resonate on a very similar sort of frequency and lifestyle optimization, giving your partners educational background as well. I think we operate in a very similar frequency there, but to the person listening or, or another coach listening, what do you look for to say like, yep, this coach, this client's good to go. They, we can start prep. I think someone who has, has like done diet phases, growth phases in the past, yep. you know, I haven't worked with them before. And mm-hmm. if I think that, you know, they need to lose five to 10 kilos to get into a prep position. Mm-hmm. If they've hit like the thing of like, Oh, I really love this sport. I want to do well in it. I can see myself going further and further in it. Great. Mm-hmm. Then we'll go into our first sort of dieting phase. Mm-hmm. I just find out what their education in is in yeah. and around nutrition is, mm-hmm. how they can self-sustain themselves, how adherent they are, what they're training, like how do they actually train? Mm-hmm. And that kind of, that will weed out a heap of people as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like just going, okay, well, let's see how you go through a dieting phase. Send me videos of your training. Yeah. Let's see how intense you can, can in train in a deficit. You know, mm-hmm. you know, how consistent can you be? Can you go to mom and dad's and have dinner and it not let you let it impact you? Mm-hmm. Can you go out and have a lunch with someone without letting it impact you? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So learning those skills of how to be flexible. And then if they complete that, then we can go, all right, cool. We've done this. We are now here. What does your physique actually look like with a bit of fat off it? Yeah. Do you need to build now? Do yeah. you need to do another diet phase to get into a better position? Mm-hmm. Like, all right, we've done this. Now what's the next thing? So it's not so much like a checklist. It's more just working with someone to start to know. Because as you know, like when you sit down with someone, they might put on a totally different persona. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, like- It's man, participant bias 101. Oh, you tell me what to do and I'll yeah. do it. That's a red flag for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's- You'll do I, it I, until you can't do it and yeah. then you'll just piss off for fucking 12 months. Yeah. It's, so, there's there's yeah. very, very few, I think, who can genuinely just say, I will do what you tell me and truly do it because there's only so many highly neurotic and conscientious types in the world. Absolutely, man. Like I like I have a couple of clients who they will literally just do it. Mm-hmm. 
and I'll be like, you're like, it, it blows me away. <laughs> like, I'm just like, wow, you're like some of the, some of these, some of the clients I work with, I'm, I am super lucky. Like I yeah. truly am. Like they are just, they drive me to be a better coach, man, mm-hmm. because they just work so hard. They're just so willing and they want it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think when you surround yourself with those people, it just makes you better. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you are a coach, you know, surround yourself with other good coaches. Mm-hmm. I have a coach myself. You have people you mentor with as well. Mm-hmm. We were working with someone who's better than you or mm-hmm. who knows more than you. Even people who don't like yeah. just adding to other coaches. Like there's some things that younger coaches have said of like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like just, you can take little bits of gold from everybody. You, can, you don't want to be so arrogant where you think you know it all. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, a big takeaway and something that I've always tried to pride myself on is that, you know, there's never going to be one mentor. There's never going to be like one person answers all your questions. You're trying to pick and choose from like every single person who's an expert is an expert in their niche of the field, whatever that field is. I don't care if it's physics, chemistry, mathematics, English literature, whatever. They're a, they're a subsect of that population that they are an expert in. So when it comes to our game, you know, I'm subscribed to Brods's, uh, you know, Evil Genius platform. I'm subscribed to Luke Lehman's platform. I work with Scaf. I've worked with Dalt. I've worked with Flex. I've worked with, you know, the list of Australians that I can work with that are above me and educated me is starting to shrink because I'm like, I need to from these people. Now I'm looking overseas. Like, what are these people offering over there? What are they doing differently here? Like the constant sort like seeking of knowledge and information to only make myself better purely because we're trying to make our clients better. Like, right. Like if you are so arrogant to think that you don't need to be better or you can't improve your prep phase or you can't improve your prep strategies or your client strategies, you're wrong. You, you set yourself up for failure as a business and you're going to do your clients disservice. Um, but like, a, you know, something we also sort of share, I think a very similar uh, sort of premise on, if you will, um, it's kind of around behavior change and around, you know, and it ties well into prep. So I think, I think a lot of coaches don't quite comprehend just how important behavior change is to that preamble before prepping is, you know, understanding uh, how to get a client's behaviors in the right position, removing certain behaviors or working on certain behaviors that might be quite detrimental for them. There's, there's that sort of skill of behavior change or strategizing, implementing strategies, I guess everyone has, does it, does it quite differently, but I think me and you kind of resonate in a very similar field, but when we're looking at, you know, we're looking at say a, a new client coming on and they've got a few remaining problems. They've got a few remaining hiccups or behaviors that aren't quite, you know, bodybuilding positive or, you know, client focus or, or sorry, a result positive, if you will. How do you go about or what's your sort of like some of the process in which you might look at someone and go, all right, we're going to work on these behaviors. Let's start here. Yeah, Cause I, I know we're both lowest hanging fruit kind of guys. Yeah. It, it really just starts with one thing at a time and lowest hanging fruit, you know, sleep, probably the main one, mm-hmm. you know, getting to bed, not just getting your eight hours, right. But yeah. getting to bed at a reasonable hour and trying to get as close to the, the natural way of doing things of like, mm-hmm. we go down when the sun goes down and we come mm-hmm. up when the sun goes up. Like, People will say, oh, I'm just not a morning person. Well, you know, we're all not that biologically different. So yeah. you, know, you may not be right now, but that's probably something that you can learn over time. You know, yeah. so sleeping at bedtimes, waking up at regular times, eating at regular times. You know, same thing goes if people skip meals, set alarms on your phone, get 
over time, your body will be like, oh, it's 12 o'clock. No wonder I'm hungry because that's what time I always eat. Mm-hmm. So little, just little things. If someone is, say they're going in, they want to do a prep or a diet phase or, or mm-hmm. whatever it is, and things have been suboptimal because the same behavior keeps coming, mm-hmm. I've just become more honest with it in the fact of, yeah. hey, this is what you keep doing. This is why you're not getting anywhere. Are you mm-hmm. actually ready to do this or mm-hmm. do you just think you are? Mm-hmm. And just having that conversation and that generally leads you somewhere. Yeah. Oh, well, actually, this is happening behind the scenes. Oh, well, actually, I get something, you know, something is a red flag around a certain behavior. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, listen, let's not put the pressure on at the moment. Mm-hmm. Let's take the foot off the gas and let's just reassess. Let's not worry about everything all at once. What is the first thing that we need to do? Boom. Then we tackle that. Once we hit that, then we move on to the next one and the next one. And then once they're ready, sure. If it's like a red flag of like, you know, this is totally out of my sort of area. Listen, this is what I think you should do. I think you should go speak to someone. Do what you need to do. When you're in a better, if you if you want to keep working together whilst we work with this other allied health professional, great. Mm-hmm. If not, you can always come back when you're ready. And just, you know, it, it's easy for, I guess, myself being a, a little bit more established than a coach who's, you know, oh, shit, I'm, I'm running out of sessions. Like I need yeah. to keep people. You know, it's very easy for me to sit up on my high horse and be like, hey, you should do this. Like I've, yeah. I've in those positions where yeah. fuck, I've got X amount of sessions and this isn't even going to cover the rent. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like that being able to put the client first will only serve you better in the long run yeah. for your business, you know, because they can see that you've gone, Hey, this isn't working right now. This might be a better option. Mm-hmm. If you still want to work together, great. But if you need to just go and solely see this person, then this is what you need to do. Mm-hmm. It's no different from if you have a client who needs some specialty in rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. Right? If you're banging the drum and nothing's happening and they're continuing to be in pain, then that's not working. You need yes. to outsource that and refer mm-hmm. on. And if you do, the clinician will be super grateful and they're going to yeah. send them back to you anyway. Yeah. And then you will be able to learn from that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, That's the other thing. You can learn by what someone else does with your client and still work together with them. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the way I kind of approach a bit of a long winded, but I guess there's never really a, a set answer for that. It's basically oh, yeah, no. solely, it's solely individual. Yeah. There's, there's, you can't, you can't short answer something as important as that. I, I feel like, especially when, you know, a lot of the chats heavily been bodybuilding because you are obviously starting to really excel and take off in that direction. But just in the general sense, people need to comprehend that, you know, they, they think of coaching as if like, I, I sign up to a coach, I make instant results, I get way more mm-hmm. jacked, I start training really hard. But we is more of a holistic practice because I, I truly believe that's a big difference between just programming coaches, just nutrition coaches, and us who kind of like evoke everything in lifestyle as well, right? Like we kind of combine everything. We're looking at, okay, what's holding you back from that result? What is the limiting factor of that result? If this is the case, or if this is, you know, something that's going to hold you back, we need to address X, Y, Z. Then you watch the results take off. And that's something that a lot of people are almost either afraid or scared to pay for. And Mm. they think that, well, I watched my girlfriend do this and she exploded in 12 weeks. Like, yeah, but she's been training two years. She's 
she is a, a very highly functioning, highly conscientious, borderline somewhat neurotic personality type that is dedicated to numbers and projections and trajectory and progression metrics. So it's easy for her. You, however, have three kids and you know, you've know you got a full-time job and a husband who works away and he does this when he finally gets back. He's also got a spare time job as well. And you know all these sort of things that come up, the likelihood is that we're going to have to start with you a little bit differently. You're not probably going to get a six-day booty building program. You're probably going to get three days, be consistent in nutrition. Let's try and get seven hours sleep instead of 6.2. And that, like, as I said, I, I knew, you know, me knowing you and you know me, it was going to be a very similar sort of progression model we look for in behavior change. But working on the lowest hanging thing, the smallest thing first, because I find, and you'll probably agree, that people struggle to comprehend how such a little change can make significant change, a difference. And that needs to be understood because if we build up five, 10 of those small changes over time, the result does this, but it takes time to build that. And that's realistically where our coaching practice almost lies is that it's not straight into chicken, broccoli and rice. And here's a 20 week program. And you know, I'll send you a video every two weeks or a WhatsApp message. No, no, we need to tweak these things here because if we get this right in the next six months, then the 12 months after that is fucking this. Yeah. You're just building on habits over time. But it's the same thing with like, you know, young guys are probably the worst for it. You know, they come and see us and they're training six days a week and they're like, oh, I'm eating so much food, blah, blah, blah. But then like when you strip them back to four days and you just get them consistently eating, they just grow and they're like, yeah. oh, I'm doing less. Like, yeah. you know, less is more sometimes. And mm-hmm. I, I can't train six days hard. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. not many people can unless you've got that real Arnold lifestyle of, yep. Hey, I get to go to the gym. I'm going to go yep. sit in the park. Fuck, I'm eat, a- train. <laughs> Legit, you know? Your only, so, your only stressor is the next female on your bed or the next guy you hit on? Cool. 100%. Like the bucket the bucket analogy is like how full is your bucket? Everybody's bucket's different, you know? Mm-hmm. Sunburn analogy as well, you know? If you can, if you got a really low stress job, then, you know, you can tan for ages. doesn't matter. But if you've got 10 hours of work, 12 hours of work a day, you know, you're not going to do four days a week. You're going to do three yep. and just minimum volume. What can you work towards and then build from there? Yeah. And like just to even compliment that as a statement, my entire off season so far has been four days a week. I yep. have to change some things. He's like, all right, I put my shoulders and my hamstrings at the start of my workout. That was it. Yeah. That was the, that was the change. It's, right. So we've got priority stuff. Yeah. <laughs> specificity principle right like okay so we're trying to focus this you're gonna get a bit softer and we're gonna keep pushing the growth because i was like oh, i'm probably due for a tight enough phase he's like no nope, we've got another four to six weeks i'm like fuck okay and he's yeah. like all right we'll change it up and i want to see your hamstrings grow and your shoulders okay so shoulders at the start of your workout hamstrings yeah. at the start of your leg workout that's it but that's it's four it. days and then now it gives me more time for my business for client work for study for uni because that as you said if i really objectively step back though i don't feel stressed because i love what i do the stress quota, if you will, or quota is actually quite high. If I'm not mentally aware of that, and if I'm not enjoying what I do, the second that becomes hard, fuck that, you know, that limits my progression rate. That limits my ability to grow and train and do everything else. I think a lot of people don't understand that as well. Like we can love what we do, but if we're doing so much of it, like I love what I do. I'm super lucky to do what I do and, and earn a living from it. Mm-hmm. But if I'm working seven days a week, mm-hmm. 
you run out of gas. Your ability to train is ridiculous. And when you're if you're running tons of sessions, and me personally, because I've been trying to take my training more seriously, mm-hmm. I'm trying to pull back sessions. I'm trying to get more t- hours in the day. I'm trying to get more days off during the week. Because I've done six and a half days, six days, sometimes seven days, pretty much since I was 27 and I was at uni, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like full-time work, full-time uni. And it's it, it's of the injuries that I've picked up are just so silly yeah. because of what I've done outside of the gym, not even in the gym. Or I've thought, hey, I can still continue to train the way I currently am, yet I have, even though I love what I do and I'm moving mm-hmm. forward in my life, it doesn't mean that that's not stress in my bucket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's As a concept, I think people really misunderstand or misappreciate stress for what it is. Like we look at stress, you know, obviously I, I wrote the book. So you know, listeners, if you want to go over read the, the stress bucket, uh, sorry, the um, ancient systems in the modern world that I wrote as an ebook, you can go download it. It's, it's free because I found it's so important and imperative to understand that stress isn't a negative, but we need to understand what it is. I think people have... Mm-hmm people have misattributed the stress being like, oh, my boss is yelling at me or like I'm stuck in traffic and that's, that's you know, I'm fighting with my wife and that's all stress is. Completely neglecting the physiological responses of stress as well or, or the, the the physiological stimulators of stress, you know, training capacity, the physical demands of your job, having two or three kids, you know, economic situations, all these things that... Social life. Social life. Expectations of social life. If you as a person, if you're more introverted, yeah. you gain more energy being alone. If you're more extroverted, you gain energy elsewhere. But with those extroverts, it's almost like a fine line. They're like yeah. so good until they're not. And then it's like, yep. clip. so being aware of that sort of stuff, over committing yourself on weekends, mm-hmm. over committing yourself on school nights, I call yep. them school nights. Um, yeah, doesn't everyone? <laughs> like you coming out? No, man, it's a school night. Yeah, bro, what are you talking about? I've got cheesy feet at six. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, those sort of things they they all they all play into it. They all play into it. Even like even we bought a puppy. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I love my dog. I love my dog. Big laughter man though. He, yeah, yeah. He he's a stress. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And there's yeah. some. Not- you don't get as much sleep and therefore my training the next day will be slightly affected. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you can't, you can't be so dishonest with yourself and so emotional with your own training, your own results that you fully just can't look back. And that's why it's so important to get a coach, even as a coach is because yep. when it's self, it is emotional. I don't care how logical you are as a person. Yep. And Benny, you're a, you're a pretty logical guy. Yeah. You said to your coach, hey, I'm due for a tighten up phase. And he's like, nah. Yep. Because it was like, oh, I'm feeling, you're probably like, oh, I'm starting to feel a little fluffy. Yeah, I was I was literally I, with a gold medal on my neck on stage six months ago. Yeah. Now I'm starting to feel a bit soft. Like, oh, can we tighten back up? He's like, don't you want to win in two years time? I was like, yeah, I do. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, so, that's, that's such a like, you know, because people think like we, we push these concepts or as coaches, we sell this because, you know, we want to make money or we're trying to take your money. No, it's because it's true. Like the, the data and evidence and research is out there to coach yourself. The information is not hard. You know, I, I give this shit away for free 90% yeah. of the time. Fucking 1.6 to 2.4 grams of protein per kilogram. 0.7 to 1.3 grams of fat per kilogram. 5 to 12 grams of carbs per kilogram, depending on training intensity. Aim for 35 to 40 calories per kilogram of body to find maintenance. That sort of shit is not complex. We can fucking work that out as a piece of piss. 
You want to do an aggressive tighten up? Drop 40% of your calories from maintenance. Great, there you go, boom, you're done. The problem is though, you're not going to do that objectively. You're not going to do that for long periods of time. You're not going to avoid social events because you've got a diet phase to stick to. When you're accountable to someone else and you're getting that, that, that system in place and you're paying for a result, there is an emotional subjective buying because you're like, you know what? I actually need to be held accountable to someone else. And I really want this and I really don't want to waste my money. So I'm going to do it. Whereas, like you said, you know, if we, if we, we coach ourselves, or we, we try to just take that on think, you know, there's always someone from a consult or, uh, you know, a lead will get in a gym or a, a consult call. And they're like, oh, I think I'll just see how I go on my own first. And I'm like, I know how you're going to go. We've yeah. all been there. But all been there. My, the entire premise of our business is to shortchange the distance from your A to B. Because I know for you, A, if you're not with me or by yourself, judging by the language you're using and your level of education is going to be five years. With me, that's 12 months because you don't have to waste the time figuring the things out that I did. That's why we exist, right? And the nuance that goes with that. Yeah, exactly. That those, they're complexities, but they're not complex. Like it ends up being really simple. If we just knuckle down on it and get it right, it's like, you know, as you sort of said before, strip it back, pull back the volume, pull back the extra shit, the, the non-necessary yeah. stuff. Oh, I'm doing this at 11 o'clock at night and I didn't miss my session. I made a tick this and I've got six days a week and, you know, I'm doing arms, with every session, I'm doing legs, back, shoulders, chest. Okay, man, but I could grow you on four days with half of that food and more sleep. Like, one and just that. more intensity with your training. Like, yeah, yeah. When it comes to building, building muscle, you know, it's, you know, we get so caught up in, and this is coming from someone who, you know, who who loves the sciencey sort of stuff. We get, we do get very caught up in like, oh, is that a two, uh, you know, two RIR. You know, uh, yeah. you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And kind of you that's why filming yourself in the gym is yeah. so good. And it's hard for new clients to do it, and yeah. especially those that aren't super confident in the gym. Mm -hmm. But being able to watch yourself train and then like get off get off the machine or whatever it is that you're doing, rate it in your head, watch the video, and then go in your head, you might be like, Oh, that was pretty close to failure. And then you look at the video, you're like, Man, I didn't even slow down. Yeah. Not yep. once. Yep. I took one deep breath at the top on one of them and then the rest I was just pumping them. Yep. Like, oh, I can probably work a little harder here. Yeah. That's probably where people get, you know, stuck in the the high volume, junk volume stuff. Yes, They're absolutely. just hard training as hard as they should be. And, you know, an eight RPE is tough. You yep. know, when you're, or a two RR or whatever sort of scale that you use, mm -hmm. when you're digging deep, and you're pushing like an eight's hard, you know, yeah, and it's seven, supposed to be seven is hard. Yeah. You know, like even really a six, like it's still pretty hard. You that's, know? Where I, that's where I find I, I get a little bit frustrated not about you, but you know, this is where I find in the evidence-based crowd and we're, we're amongst that. So it's not even a dig at anyone else. Like it's myself. Oh, I fell in the trap with my clients, man. It's, it's the, the polarization of like, you know, we, we make these statements or the research comes out and it's like, oh, but the research says that there's no extra benefit beyond two RAR when it comes to stimulating hypertrophy and actually port forcing muscle to grow. It's like, yeah, but when you say that to the general person, all they hear is, I don't need to train anyone near as hard. But already yeah. that probably yeah. 10 of those clients that you have aren't training hard to begin with. So you're saying two RAR is fine for you, they were already training at a three or four RAR. They weren't even close to two. Now they go, oh, that in my head was close to failure. I can work back from that. And you're getting a five RAR or a five RPE. And you're like, you know why it takes 60, 70, 80 extra sets for you to grow? Is because 
we've taken that little piece of information and missed the nuance of, but do you actually even understand what 2RIR is? Because realistically, you don't. So, you know, being able to take that evidence and apply it to your client at the right time. But I find a lot of people get caught up in that almost polarization of the fact that, well, the research is this, and I'm an evidence-based guy, so I've got to do it. I can't have my clients go to failure. Let them go to failure because, well, in my opinion, let them go to failure because the reality is that failure isn't failure. For very sub, not even subpar, let's say novice and intermediate clients. Oh, absolutely, man. That's not even close to actual true to RER. Absolutely. And this is why like someone like John Jewett, I absolutely love. Yeah. You know, because he is such, he is someone who has all the degrees, he has all the badges, mm-hmm. but even he is like, you know, it, it, it can't tell us everything. And you have to look at what people have done in the past and there's bits of gold. And then from what you know, from your learning with education and books, you can see of why certain systems would work from the bro guys, you know, like, and they just they 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 would do things that not the evidence based guys would probably look at. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I like John because he's like, well, there might be something to that. Why yeah. is that? Do you know, we, yeah. we may not have the reason to back it up, but there is something there because yeah. people are doing it and they're winning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's that's a premise I've taken from Peterson is mm. always listen with the intent that someone has something to teach you. That was one of his key values, that his stories, uh, one of his uh, 12 points of life. It, and you take that to training, but with the premise that, because we know that research isn't always up to date, right? Like, sorry, the the evidence and the science isn't always current. It's not, it takes how long to develop a meta-analysis. It takes how long to find the research and fund the research, do the group, the 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 controlled studies, and then actually get an assessment on all the controlled studies and, and put out the research. There isn't enough at the time to go, oh, but, we're up to date with the guys that are doing this and they're wrong. No, no. The likelihood is that we're catching up to where they were doing the bro stuff. It's just that they tried and failed. And so they're in the trenches. Anecdotal evidence was I did this. It didn't work. So I did this. I did this. It didn't work. So I did this. And they start to get a result. That doesn't mean they're wrong just because the evidence is over here. It just means it hasn't caught up or the potential to digest it isn't quite there. So we can take from them and go, well, what are they doing? What is the potential? If we strip away all the fancy bullshit and their, their bro terms, what are they doing that's working? How can I apply that to my guys in conjunction with the evidence? And like health science is a very new science. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. it's really in its infancy compared to what other sciences have done in the past. Do you know? And not only that, it's just gaining more momentum because it's there's more there's be, there's beginning to be more money in it. There's there's people who are very gifted intellectually who are like, I love training and I just want to do this because not only can I now make a living of it, but I can love it. Where before they might have been like, there's nothing there. I'll go and do mm-hmm. you know medical research or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You know, so that the area with health science is also increasing and there's more money going into that. There's more funding and more private funding from some of these bigger guys. Yeah. I think the, the, the other nuance to it as well, like you said, we touched on there in other fields is when we look at like, you know, sample basing from say uh, an astrophysicist or like chemistry or a biology, they can run a genetic sample a hundred thousand times in a scenario. They can like take that, what is this? If we if we test this out, like you know, they have like the 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 software that can literally run like a hundred thousand different variations of this gene strand. If we did this, what would happen? They they their case study and sample size can be so big. We have at the moment in sports and exercise, like uh, sports exercise and nutritional science, 
you get population samples of 10 to 15 people. And we're looking at that and going, that's significant. That mm. would barely touch the sides if we put that into another field realm of science. Yeah. And that's the part I think that people miss in the nuance. And this is why I get so excited when I get to do subjects like data and research, like this semester for me, a big subject I've got is um, data and research analysis. And it's teaching the different ways to do strata sampling and over testing uh, F ratios between group, within group. You start to see how insignificant exercise yeah. and nutritional research samples actually are con contrast to other fields. And so when someone's like, this is significant, I'm like, but to what population? Because that was 14 to 20, 80 year old men with barely trained history and a low protein intake. And now all of a sudden you've given them some protein and they're responding really well. Like, yeah, 0 0.8 grams for them is fucking huge because they were doing 0 0.2. Mm. That doesn't mean that you go to the average bloke who's training guy, you only need 0 0.8 grams of protein. Probably going to need more than that. Like we have to be able to dissect that and understand it. But, you know, I think because we know people who read uh, like research readers are the abstract, the discussion, the conclusion. That's really what they read. And so they take the answer they wanted to find. I'm good to go. But I think, I think you're scratching there with um, people going into the discussion there. Too, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was being generous. I was being generous. I've been that first time study reader and you're like, what does this say? But what's the you know, last two sentences yeah. say? <laughs> Where's the result and does it match what I wanted to find? Yeah. But, it, you know, and that, that I think a true evidence-based application and, you know, I know in your educational background, you're very much similar. Myself, like SCAF, when I talk to these people, Dalton, these educational coaches, being able to take the research and being able to break it down, understand it, what is current, what is being said, sure. But then being able to apply it to the right population or, you know, not get too polarized by, you know, I've got to teach my clients to RER. I think a better explanation is I've got to teach my clients failure. I've got to teach them it's safe to fail under a bar, under a machine, on a, a bar path, on a mechanism or a, a moment arm. They can get under this mechanic and fail safely without being hurt and push past that because we have that protection. We have the stretch reflex. We have protective mechanisms where the body's like, don't do that. We can get them safely to execute it. That's a big difference. You also need, you also need to do a bit of that to understand what a baseline is. Like if you don't know what a 10 is, you don't know what an eight is. Exactly. So it, without that baseline, it's the same with, it's the same with nutrition. Like mm -hmm. you need to understand what your, where your baselines are. Mm -hmm. otherwise you're just you're just throwing darts yeah yeah i and you, you'll probably do something similar but i often and a lot of my guys will probably hear this and, and agree is they've noticed different pushes of intensity with me when it comes to nutrition we're going to go through a heavier degree of deficit we're going to go through a heavier degree of surplus and each time find out how you respond or how did you feel with it how aggressive was it were you you know what was your mental thoughts at this point you know there's certain points where i've tipped um, some of the younger guys have done like, you know, six to eight weeks of an aggressive phase, maybe only one diet break in there. Okay. What did your head do at this point? Oh, I just started to start thinking about food. Okay. So we got past that, you know, last time you didn't do that this time you did. So we're now leaner. The body's starting to play with those hormones that it didn't play with before. Ghrelin and leptin are inverting and they're starting to switch it up. And you're mentally starting to correlate things with food now and hunger cravings and memory recall. Okay. We didn't have that last time, but you know, being able to progress through that and trial those things out and go, you know, uh, we're going to go just below this again next time. We're going to go just above that next time. We're going to go a little bit softer or a little bit heavier on food. You, you kind of have to find those baselines for the client to go through. Even before you begin things like prep, understanding that stuff is so you can go, all right, well, you know, how are we going to tackle this? What do you like? Some people love going out of the blocks hard. Some people don't like it at all. Mm -hmm. So what does the individual enjoy? You yeah. know, 
me, I'd rather get some stuff off at the start. Yep. You know, push a bit harder when you've got the when you've got the body fat there, where those negative adaptations are less likely to actually be there, mm-hmm. and then you can hopefully cruise through to the end. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, everything the stars align and the moon and the sun don't align, don't cross over, and it eclipses the fucking everyone's life. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. That that ends up being an important point is that you're you're able to know what the person enjoys. Like the biggest thing I think a lot of coaches miss. Um, you know, whether you're a client or a coach is if you're a client, does your coach want you to enjoy what you're doing? If you're a coach, are you asking what your client actually likes being client centric in your approach that, you know, do you, do you like this, what we're doing? Do you like how it's being done? Are you enjoying this process? Because that goes a long way to making sure a client sustains what they're trying to achieve. Right. Absolutely. Even like sitting down and doing food with the client, Mm -hmm. working out options with the client. You know, if you can problem solve together, mm-hmm. it doesn't end up being this dictatorship. Yes. You know, it's a joint decision that you've both come with together. Mm-hmm. And you can even take that further with clients. You can even use it as a, a teaching way. What do you think you should add in here? Yep. You know, if we've got this and this. What else should we add? Mm-hmm. Do we need anything? Oh, no, I'm actually pretty happy. With that. Oh, cool. You know, it doesn't need to be like your input. It just ask them what they think about it. Yeah, it's, it's it's a weird concept to involve the person paying you for a service that they have an idea of how that service might go or like what they want to do. Or, you know, like I said, use that as a teaching experience. I'll yeah. use baseline meal plans for people. Like one of my girls told me without question and not tracking my food, not going to do anything but a meal plan. I'll, I'll just eat the same shit because I'm a nurse and I do X, Y, Z and I work, you know, this many hours. I'm like, fair enough. Bit by bit, though, I was like, okay, so I'm going to up your carbs. What do you reckon is a good carb here? Oh, I can do some more rice crackers. Okay, so we've got our baseline of macronutrients, yeah. micronutrients. Okay, so what do you think the next increase should be? Oh, probably some more fats because I want to have some peanut butter. Okay, cool. That's fair enough. Becomes so intuitive. Adamant. She wasn't going to eat Nutella because it was going to make her like scoff and binge and, and break break character and you know all that sort of stuff. Oh, I reckon I could probably have some Nutella. I'm feeling pretty good. Could we try for a week? Absolutely, we can. You tell me how it goes. Give me the subjective feedback. I don't know if you don't tell me. Lo and behold, she's like, I fucking love Nutella. Like, I can't believe I have a meal plan that has Nutella in it. I've avoided it for five years. That that to me is like, yeah, you can tell me you don't want a, a, a duality of coaching partnership, but I'm going to evoke it out of you as best I can because that's how you learn. And when you walk away from me, you're like, I'm happy with this. That to me is like the, one of the biggest things that I want is, you know, the walking marketing, like the walking billboard is basically a client that left happy with the results and is happy to talk about you to other people. And your referral network will represent that. If you have people who are like, oh, I'm bringing so-and-so, oh, I'm a friend with so-and-so, you know, that, or if they're like, oh, hey, you need to go see Benny because he's the man. Yeah. I mean, like that, you know that you've really hit those promising points with that person and you've made real change. And I've started to notice that even in like your socials, like I can see, how many people now at strength are coming to you or like people that I used to see at strength century that I'm like, they're working with you now. So it's obviously they waited in the, they loomed in the background a bit or, you know, yeah. what's that next level result going to look like on that person? Am I the right fit for Tom? And now I'm starting to see like the shares are, Oh, I saw that guy there. I saw that guy there. He wasn't with Tom at the time. And you start as, to get that. As well as that, like, am I the right fit for that person? Yeah. Because there's like, there's just sometimes you don't mesh with someone. Yeah, and it's yeah. not on the person. It's not on you. It's just, it just wasn't, it wasn't meant to work. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. You know, that, that happens. It's okay. 
And it's okay to be like, hey, you know, Tom, thanks for, for what you did, but you know, I'm just, I'm not enjoying the process. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine because sometimes it doesn't work. You don't connect on, and you have to connect with your coach. I, I, I do feel that. I do feel like you have to have that ability to have a bit of back and forth, to have Absolutely. a conversation, to feel comfortable enough to talk yeah. to them about what's actually happening. Do you know what I mean? If you, if the client doesn't feel comfortable enough to say, Hey Tom, like I'm feeling smashed from yep. the amounts of volume that I'm doing mm-hmm. or the intensity or I'm starving at this time. Yep. I want to know those things. And yep. that helps me do a better job. Or even you know? below that, like, like if you don't have that level of comfortability as a coaching client, imagine trying to evoke from them things that are causing mental stress or relationship yep. problems or lifestyle issues or like, you know, you know, I was seeing this guy, we're sleeping together and this happened and, or, you know, this has now happened. Imagine trying to get those conversations out of a client who's all of a sudden not sleeping. Like you notice it goes from eight hours to five or, you know, fucking my anxiety levels are up here and now they're down here and I can't sleep and I can't journal. It's like, well, imagine trying to get those conversations out of a client that doesn't even trust you to tell you about training volume. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Plays a, like that reciprocal relationship i think becomes so important and it's important i think as coaches just to touch on that a little bit further we have to be comfortable to say we don't suit someone as well like yeah if i have someone come to me that says i am adamant i don't track things to me i can't work with you like don't get me wrong i have a million and one ways to skin a cat i of all people have you know the therapy practices the behavioral change practices i've studied it as much of it as i can but when it comes to getting a high performance result to me, there are metrics that are bare minimum because yeah. I need to know. Like, you know, coaches who aren't even aware of what a female's menstrual phase looks like or what are the regularities of their menstrual responses. If you aren't conscious of that and you get a, you get a mentally unsecure female, oh, I've jumped two kilos this week. Oh, don't know what's going on. Fuck, let's just pull down food. Versus, oh yeah, that's a standard phase, your luteal phase. We understand that you're going to increase, you, you retain here, you bloat a little bit, hormones regulate back out, it flushes out, you go to the bathroom and your food volume comes back and you're good. Cool, no stress. That that to me separates the the difference of a general, I would say a general population client where, okay, let's lose some, use some basic strategies to make sure you're okay. But if, I, if you're coming to me, if you work at a high rank at a high level and optimize things and you know, your adamant tracking isn't for you or or metric understanding isn't for you, I'm probably not your coach. And I'm going to say that. I will ask you to do these things. And if that's going to cause problems, I know some other people who don't work in that realm or don't work this way that you can go see. And I'll have a a list of coaches that I'll refer out to. And there's nothing wrong with that. Exactly. Because you're just setting them up for success or what they're looking for. Do you know what I mean? Like if someone's got a timeline that they want to hit, then that's just the standard. Do you know what I mean? If I've got a saving goal that I need to hit, Guess what? I'm tracking my yep. my money in and my money yep. out. Yes. It's a very simple concept. And if you have a timeline goal, like that is the way I work. Yep. Like some people may not like that. And yep. that's fine. That's that's cool. You go and do it another way. Yeah. I I try to be as flexible as I can with people and I try yep. to help build them, pull them in in decision making. But sometimes like you have to put your coach's hat on and say, well, no, this is this is the standard and this is what I need. You know, I've been, you know, I've worn many hats throughout my career. Yeah. And being too flexible, being too soft with people has definitely been something that I've done in the past. Yeah. That's not necessarily a reflection on them. That's purely on me because I want them to have a good experience. So I'm trying to cater to their needs, not what they need to do. Yes. You know, and you know, it, 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 
you'll find when you've been doing this long enough, your your role forever evolves. Yes. You know, and it's only with time, confidence, mm-hmm. knowing what works that you can actually then be like, hey, this isn't working. Mm-hmm. Like go and see someone else or go to go to someone because they're 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 awesome at that. I'm not. Yeah, they're suited to that. Like it's and it should be, I think uh it almost becomes a potential referral system because let's say I admit to X client or, or consult or lead that I don't work that way. And it's okay that you want to do that. Don't don't think that you're, you know, I'm thinking you're a bad person. Don't think that like, I don't want you to walk away saying that my my system is bad, but I don't want you thinking I think yours is bad. Yeah. But let's say that client now goes away and they have a friend who's like, I want to compete. You know, I love numbers. I love metrics. I love programming. That person's going to go, oh, that coach that I went and spoke to that I wasn't suited to, he does that. That's what he does. You should go talk to him. Like he seemed like a good, good fit for you. Mm-hmm. If you have that positive experience or that, that honesty of reflection and accountability as, as a coach to that lead, it, it opens them up to be like, oh, but that friend that did ask me about coaches, he, he, they'd suit. They'd go well together. That to me is like where that honesty matters as well is that not only just put the client first, it suits your business. And again, like we are more established. So it's, again, we're a little bit on our high horses being like, oh, hey, absolutely. Yeah. you know, like, I, like I've, I've been, I've been on the gym floor, like looking for clients. Like, yeah. I've, oh yeah. I, I've done that, man. Like I've done that. So, you know, don't feel bad if you, you know, if you haven't done that and myself, I'm not perfect, you know, there's yeah. times where things haven't worked out with clients and that's just the way it is. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. You know, we, we, we want to be able to skin every cat, right? Like yeah, we, when we start absolutely. out, we're like, you know, I'd love to work with this type of athlete. I'd love to work with this type of client. I'd love to work with this gen pop. I want to do these sort of things. And I think a really great cue as a starting business is generalize. generalize. Yeah, 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 yeah. Find out where you lay, find out who you enjoy coaching, find out what you suit. And then from there, you start to go, you know what? I didn't like the mums and bubs side. I liked the dads and the bros, or I didn't suit the guys who want to grunt and cast while they train, but I did enjoy the sprinters. Cool. Like, sweet. You're starting to figure those things out. But again, once you, once you have that, that ability or that bit more comfortability and you can specialize, it becomes a lot easier to build that certainty in yourself, right? To say, you know what? You're not for me. Um, I think you might go see this person and, you know, being able to network as a coach, I think is important. Like you know, me and you in the networking we've had, yeah, you know, I've sent people to coaches that are just not me. Because yep. I'm like, you know, as soon as it becomes like powerlifting, I can get you strong as fuck, I can get you jacked, but I don't know how the fuck a powerlifting meet works. One of the greatest co- colleagues I have and mentors in my fucking network is a well-renowned powerlifting coach. Guess what? Go see him. Yeah, yeah. Like that to me is just a logical conclusion when you're, you know, when you're established, sure, when you're starting out, if you want to learn more about powerlifting, by all means, like I'll find the answers for you. I don't know them, but when you're a bit more certain in what you do, um, and you're probably going to find this too, especially as you start to get more involved in bodybuilding. You start to get more down that track. You'll take, you'll start taking on the extra courses, the extra information. You'll do all that extra stuff. Cause you're like, you know what? I am the data bodybuilding coach. I love that shit. I'll take you on for that. You don't want to track shit. Cool beans. All good. Here's this part of the business or here's this person. We'll, we'll go that way. And I think, you know, it just comes from that position of building that confidence in what you do. Right. But it, it I see it serving your business in the long run when you're in that position to be able to do that. Absolutely. And like, I'm still, I still work with, you know, gen pop still makes up a fair chunk of, you know, like you're never going to fully just be, you know, unless you're like the pinnacle and there are guys obviously out there that do that, you know, but over time it just slowly, 
it slowly changes. And I like working with a variety of different people. Mm-hmm. I find it interesting. It's, you know, if you understand nutrition and energy systems, generally you can do a pretty good job yeah. at catching a lot of different yeah. things. Just make sure you teach all your clients a Krebs cycle. Yeah. Is that with an R or a... <laughs> <laughs> that's an old old flashback joke that one (laughs) um one last thing i kind of would touch on because you know this this is again we're we're speaking i think quite heavily between the pair of us to upcoming coaches or to new coaches i think that's going to be a large part of this listen is your your 10 years in this game and i would say now is around the time where you're really niching and you're narrowing in on like these are the people I'm enjoying working with. I've got this skill that I'm figuring out. I've got this this niche that I'm scaling or scaffolding on, and you know I'm starting to get results here. My my influx of clients is quite consistent. You know, I haven't known you for all of the ten years prior to that. I've known you for a good three or four. Where even now I'm recognizing this is probably the explosion of your business. Mm. What would you say is the I guess the advice to those early phase coaches who think they should have 30, 40, 50 clients every single week from like year one? And it's time, you know, like we were speaking about this sort of off camera as like, you know, it's time and it's, it's, it's time, it's upskilling and it's results. Yeah. Realistically there, that's what it is. Like if you're, if you love this game and you love coaching and you want to be good at it, go and learn some stuff, yeah. go and get a coach, go to uni, do courses, do whatever you need to do to build it up. Mm-hmm. Understand that you're going to be like, unless, unless you're the top sort of five to 10% of the population and you look great when you first start doing it and you can get your rig off and whatever. Like I'm not that, I've never been that type of coach. I've never wanted to be that type of coach. If you look at my social media, it's predominantly clients. Mm -hmm. It's barely anything of me because I'm not the, I'm not the special one in this relationship. My clients are. But it's time, give yourself time to actually learn. Give yourself time to work with different types of people. Mm-hmm. Once you once you find that bits of gold, start adding to your own system. Mm-hmm. You know, start putting things into processes, systems. You know, there's there's so much you can do, but you've got to give yourself time. You've got to get some knowledge and then you've got to get the result because if you can wait your time. You can get all the credentials, but then if you can't get people across the line, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just not gonna. It's not gonna work. You, you know, you've got no social proof, and unfortunately, in today's age with social media, you have to show that you can get people from A to B, mm-hmm. and that's that's what that's what matters, and that's why you see people who don't have any knowledge just rattling off stuff. If they can get people results, they'll get heaps of clients. Sure, their turnover rate. And their retention rates might be dog shit, but because they've got that social proof, they'll just continue to get people in. Yeah. Yeah. I I think I completely agree. I think there are three, three main premises, I guess, to really succeed or take off and could have just bide your time and give yourself that realistic, realistic expectation. And it's, you know, it's no different to a prep. It's no different to training. If if this is your first prep, you've only been training for a year. You're setting that you're setting a real expectation by saying, this is just to see where I land. If, if I'm cut out for this sport, if I have the passion for it, if you're going into that as like year one, I'm going to fucking my pro card. You're probably setting yourself up failure. Genetic outliers exist. Sure. But you know, even Nick Walker and Sean Calradio look like a ton of dicks when they first started. And that was them. They, they had the genetic potential to be where they are the top three in the world, but 
when you look at where they started, you know, you've got to bide your time and put the work in and grow and put the effort in and be consistent and show up. So, you know, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there with, with those three, those three things. Cause you know, everyone gets into the minutiae and the details and don't get me wrong. Matter marketing has taken off and we're going to work in that realm because we know how important that is that people need to be able to operate that way and understand the marketing trends and systems. But the, the thing is you need to have the content to market and that content is results. You need to have, clients out there sharing what you do and that they're happy with you and that it's working. And the only way to do that is get those clients results to tell their other friends to work with you to get them results. So, you know, my whole business was built off referrals when I first started, you know, my, I didn't do anything social media. It was all, I'll go and see Tom. He'll figure out. Do you know what I mean? It was all, I'll go and see him going like that. And that's why like that, that speaks volumes about what it is that you do because you don't need 10,000 Instagram followers no. to have a successful business. Yeah. You know, you can have a successful business just by being number one in your gym, in your area, because mm-hmm. that's, that's really enough. It should be yeah. enough. And then from there, if you want to grow, then you have to push further. Yeah. You know? But if, if you want to be good where you are, you've just got to get hands on people, mm-hmm. understand them and be able to get them across the line and be yeah. a problem solver. Yes. And yeah. Uh, uh, some of my younger guys, I kind of take on like a mentoring role with them as well as coaching where they're getting into the coaching game themselves. And I'll, I try to drill into them, like stop looking at online as the only answer. Stop looking at online coaching as like the be all end all. If you truly love coaching people, being in the gym is fun. Like is, yeah. you, you get to be in the gym with a different variety of people, especially if it's like a, a generalized demographic, like you don't have an elite athlete demographic or it's like a sports specific gym. You're like at any time, a Genesis, you know, even you guys, you get a variety of people. So, you know, be okay with getting in front of people and working at the gym. Stop seeking to use them to move out. Like if you're if you're truly happy about coaching, the gym can be fucking fun. Like I went back to it. I found a way that I can get back into coaching face-to-face. I'm willing to do that because I was like, I missed, I missed pushing someone to those extra five reps or those extra three reps and, you know, listen to them always cry and bitch and moan through that set they didn't want to do, but like I'm there to push them because they know I'm watching and they know I'm going to kick their ass and make them do it. So, you know, that, that big thing for me was get amongst your demographic and understand them. Stop thinking that you've got to find all the elite athletes because even us at our level, we don't have 50, 60, 70 elite athletes. It's no. 10 to 15, maybe 20%. And even some of the best teams out there, they don't have 40 athletes going into seasons. Yeah. They, they just don't. Exactly. Their, their client list is going to be a variety of people. Because, you know, we get that period where they're a really good coaching system. You're handling off seasons and on seasons yeah. and you're, you're building someone up over time. Like we said, getting all those skills established, yeah. taking that year or two to get them ready. Then you've got the ones who are coming up and guess what? Once they're up, if they're keen to do this again, you're probably going to send them away for a month. Hey, go enjoy life. Go do some other things. Then we come back, we execute off season and we get ready to use that feedback. The judge gave us to go again. Yeah, like that that is how you know a good coaching system works you're not going to have 50 season a clients and if no. if you do i would challenge you shouldn't yeah and you you'd have to look at turnover rates you'd have to look at yeah or like if someone's coming to see you and they they do their prep and then they finish with you straight after yep probably a good sign that <laughs> things yeah. weren't as optimal yeah like a big thing is you know if we look at i guess marketing is coaching is you don't need to find new clients if you keep the ones you've got. 100%, man. 100%. Like I see these people brag, like, yeah, I've worked with 10,000 athletes and I've got 10,000 different results. I'm like, why? 
yeah, you have yeah. ten thousand fucking athletes or clients or turnovers. Like that's a unless you have a hundred coaches under you in a, in a system or a network, that's a fucking lot of people that are deciding your six week strategy or your twelve week strategy or whatever prep you did is not good. Yeah, yeah. Or they caught a fish and it was this big. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly right. Um, but mate, I appreciate your time. I mean, we could ramble on this shit all day. I've got one final question. I've been hitting a few nu- nutrition coaches with is. What are your three favorite myths amongst the nutrition game that you uh, you really wish were gone or didn't exist? Oh, um, the carnivore diet. <laughs> yep. That's probably that's probably the one. Um, carbs still make you fat. Yep. I still can't believe that's a thing. It's 2023, guys. Like, come on. Um, third one. Third one. Oh, has to, it? Ha, it's got to be diet soda, right? It's got to be diet Coke, diet Pepsi. Oh, Spartan, like, cancer, yeah. get rid of it. Yeah, yeah. I think I think they're like guys. It's twenty twenty three. Come on, eat a eat, eat a fruit, eat a vegetable. Yeah. Come on, like, god damn. <laughs> uh, I had this conversation with uh with with Eric. Had a good laugh about, especially in America. Obviously, like their diet, their soda economics oh. over there. And I was like, I find it so funny that people can consume ten gallons of soda. That's not a big deal. We say have, uh, you know, swap some of that for for some diet soda, and it's like cancer. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. That blows um, my fucking mind. Broccoli has an inbuilt defense mechanism that will kill you from the inside out. Like, what? <laughs> let's let's uh, take one mechanism and just blow it out of proportion. Go on, do it. I don't care. Tell how it. How to how to read some fucking single point studies and go? Oh, that's gonna kill someone. Oh, crazy. But, uh, mate, to wrap it up, you've given me a fair chunk of time. I appreciate you. Um, where can we find you? Details, con- uh, like medias, new business? Um, social media. Um, the.performance.formula is our brand. Um, that's where myself, Jazz, Tash, and our other coaches, Bill and Tiles, um, you can find us on there. You can find us at theperformanceformula.com or you can find me at tomfox.tpf awesome mate i appreciate your time it's been an absolute ripper having a chat uh, i knew we we're going to have some very good intersectionality but uh yeah, it's always fun just to have different points of views and some banter amongst our game that's the one <laughs> all right mate i appreciate it and i'll uh, chat to you soon